Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want? Okay. All right. Things are not going well. I think that's fair to say. The Raptors have now lost against the Pistons and the Magic back-to-back. It was tough. Six games and eight nights coming out of the All-Star break. That's tough for any team, let alone a team that is missing, you know, players who are as important as Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. And especially considering the context of the Raptors roster dictates that they really rely on their shooters, the few of them that they do have, and those few being, you know, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet. And in this game, Malachi Flynn did his best job trying to emulate some of that, you know, three-point make punch. And I think he's probably closest to giving you like an OG Ananobi type catch-and-shoot production over this, I guess, four-game stretch where he's been a starter. And that's really great. Um, because you know the Raptors need it, but it's still it doesn't it doesn't mean that they <laughs> they're in a really great spot shooting, and that's why they scored ninety seven in this game and another game outside of the one where they blew the doors off of the Nets and I think they went eighteen of thirty eight from three and everybody and their mom was hitting triples. They've shot poorly. Their three point volume is down in makes and in attempts and in percentage, and. It's really tough to win in the NBA if you don't, not not just when you're missing three-point shots, but when you can't even get teams to really respect that you might shoot them at a decent rate. So you don't get a lot of open lanes as a driver. You you know you turn the defense and you make a, a pass to a guy cutting or sliding into the dunker spot or something like that. And so you become overly reliant on isolation from players like Pascal Siakam. And he gives you the world. He goes 13 to 20 from the field. He hits two threes himself. He gets to the line. Great free throws, 34 points. It really, really impressive stuff. And like the five turnovers, it's too much. But how are you going to blame him considering how tough the the offensive context is that he's trying to survive in currently? And he, he drove the Raptors as far as he could in this game. And Malachi Flynn picked it up late. But that just wasn't enough. Precious also a guy who I said this in the in the quick reaction, the write-up that I did. It Maybe I would blame Precious's decision-making a little bit more. Well, I definitely would if Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi were currently in the lineup. Then some of these expressive, you know, self-authoring plays that Precious wants to put on his plate and, and take on, they look a lot worse because you're like, well, do I really want to endorse a big man who shoots 4 of 12 from the field, goes 2 of 4 from deep? So that means that he went 2 of 8. A lot of it off the bounce and near the rim. And... To his credit, he was close on a lot of them, just centimeters away from greatness on these on these drives. But in these games, who else is going to do it? Gary Trent Jr. went four for 23. Tonight, he went two for 12. 
And he had a lot of open shots. He went 0 for 9 from downtown. Had great looks. Just didn't hit a damn thing. And so in a game like this, 4 of 12 from Precious Achua, he has 11 points. Yeah, you take that. That is found money. It's not efficient, but it's significantly more efficient than you're getting out of anybody except for Pascal and Malachi. Like if you look at Scotty, 4 for 15. Gary, 2 for 12. Kem, a terrific 0 for 1. Precious is, you know, creating some looks for himself. And while that didn't create a bunch, he hit his two threes. I think his offensive creation, his offensive usage is justified over this stretch as, you know, middling or low end as it has been at times, as high as it gets at others. You just have to, you know, you have to take your medicine. This is what the team needs right now. Guys who are willing to try things out to try and create because they're so limited as a team. And the magic with, you know, some zone, some man-to-man, they did a pretty damn good job of keeping the Raptors in their limited spaces outside of Pascal Siakam because they don't have a guy who can stick Pascal. And Pascal appears to be back in form. He was sick after the All-Star break, had some, some games that really didn't look like him. Well, he's back now, and he can't be guarded one-on-one. In, in some cases, he can't even be doubled. It doesn't work. But he keeps driving into you know these small areas and making shots out of nothing. But Malachi Flynn and that late burst of pick-and-roll creation, both you know as a playmaker and, and a driver, it was really great to see he's maximizing the small parts of the game because he isn't a pick-and-roll engine. He, he isn't the engine of an offense at any given time. But as I said, catch-and-shoot, he's emulating some of OG Ananobi's output there. And while it isn't as, you know, get to the corner, hit a three from there, or, you know, set a pick, pop out, hit a little catch and shoot, you know, pick and pop shot. It's not that clean, but Malachi is moving on, you know, above the break a lot of the time, finding open spots. And then if a guy feeds them there, he hits a three. It's not like, it's not like you get a whole bunch of, you know, Malachi pulling up from three or anything. That hasn't been the case over this four games, but pushing in transition, attacking closeouts on occasion, and being able to play make and score out of the pick and roll. He's just provided so much more than anybody would have expected in this stretch. It's just dumb luck that I happened to look at the context of the team prior to this and say, hey, maybe Malachi has a chance. And then he was starting, you know, like four hours later or something. And has started every game since and probably will continue to start until Fred Van Vliet is back. And he's the he's made the most of it. That's that's the silver lining. He and Pascal and Precious to some degree in this game because the Raptors stunk. Again, they can't score the ball. They're too limited as an offense. They don't have versatile enough creators. And their most versatile creator isn't a huge three-point threat. This isn't like Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray, one of those you know, all NBA slash all-star level players who are guards, they might take a screen, like a drag screen, a step-up screen or whatever, and just kill a drop defense. Or even if they're at the level of the screen, take a big man out wide, snatch it back and hit a three in their face or or drive or something like that. But Pascal doesn't dictate that type of defense. He's better at other things. Like he's much better at a lot of things than both Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are. You can see like a lot of it in this game by getting into the paint so frequently and just being so proficient in there. And in that little short mid-range spot as well, they can't do that either, but he can't do what they do. And th- that is the the duality of the NBA or, you know, the what would the term be? 
the spectrum of the NBA because creators exist on all types of plot points and that kind of stuff. And Pascal exists in one that it's really, really tough right now. And man, the the Raptors just can't set their watch to like a Pascal-led offense if there's no shooting. And he can't because the easiest thing for a team can do, anybody who's played men's league, women's league, whatever, if a team packs the paint and your team can't shoot, what the hell are you going to do? Even your best players can't just go ram themselves into the paint. And that is why <laughs> it is kind of funny. Uh, Lewis, Lewis just messaged me and said, I love when we're both right because we were um, talking about Malachi Flynn and how often he receives, you know, uh, how often he can get the pick and roll defender to, you know, lock and trail to go over the screen rather than under. And we we're having a conversation online, which are often get confused. And I was saying like, well, typically he, you know, he gets the over, like teams follow him over. And I'm talking about, you know, on the grand scale of how he's been defended in the NBA. And he was talking about specifically in this game. And I can't remember exactly what, you know, how it would break out between how many overs and unders there were. But I think it might be the case that we're both right, even though it seems like we were disagreeing. So something funny, but yeah, I mean, the Raptors are so limited. You've seen this as a player. Whoever you are listening, you've seen this as a player. And the Raptors are currently dealing with it because they don't have the shooting talent to make it no longer the case. These Raptors games, if you're an NBA fan, these have to be kind of unfamiliar to your eye because of the absolute disrespect that is shown to the Raptors shooters on a grand scale. And it's, man, it's tough for them to overcome. And in these cases, they aren't overcoming it. And not enough of them are overcoming it. The the most, you know, let's say dynamic creators on the roster currently are, honestly, it's Precious Achua for a big man. It, it, he really has to be able to get into an efficient, he has to be more efficient. But there is definitely a dynamism to him, of course. Pascal Siakam is as dynamic as they come at his size and stature and all that. And Malachi Flynn has way more shake and boogie and downhill punch than Gary Trent Jr., for example. Gary Trent, his whole bag is shooting. Now, he's been able to turn the corner a little bit more with a little bit more regularity, you know, in the past, however, over the past couple months, but that was only in the context of second side action and working against disadvantages, def- disadvantage, disadvantaged defenses already, and oftentimes it was when he was sharing the court with Siakam, Fred, and OG. So, he gets single coverage and there's less, you know, helpers and that kind of stuff. But when he's one of the focal points, he's having a tough time shaking loose A because of the help defense waiting for him, dig downs, rotations, all that kind of stuff. And B, his shooting just isn't there right now. And I'm not particularly concerned about that. This is something I've been very steady on this season as, you know, an analyst, as a commentator, is that, you know, the the on-ball creation that Gary Trent provides is is a boon always and I'm always glad to have it but his his three-point shooting his catch and shoot three-point shooting to me is the most important facet of his game even as he exploded for that you know over 11 games scored 28 points per game and was like 50 50 90 splits just a super fun stretch of basketball it's that's not him all the time and you just want him to be when he's not you know taking these step backs from 19 feet and hitting everything and you know, kind of boogieing on dudes and going to the same move over and over and changing the arc on his shot and making all these incredible plays. It's when he's not able to do that because very few players can, you want him to be able to at least, you know, lock those knees in, you know, get those feet set, hit those threes to help out your team. And 
over this past stretch of games. He just hasn't been doing that. And that's okay because it'll come around. I'm almost certain of it. But this is part and parcel of Gary Trent Jr.'s game. This is something that he's been dealing with a, a bit of streakiness in his career. He's still young. You know, this could be something that is only now and not in the future. It remains to be seen. But I'm not too worried about it. But I do consider it part of his game. So, you know, that's kind of how it is. And then defensively, I didn't really have that much problem with how the Raptors defended in this game. Of course, it started out sloppy, like the 27 points in the first quarter, the 31 in the fourth quarter. But the fourth quarter was really high pace. And the Raptors, they just don't, like... If you score 37 in a quarter and you allow 31, I'm not going to blame your defense. And so the Raptors outscoring them 37-31 in the fourth quarter, that was a good quarter for them, even though that even though they allowed 31. Yes, some rotations here or there help. Yes, getting back on defense more often helps. And oftentimes, Pascal was the only guy back. There was like four transition buckets over the course of the game where it was like Pascal is like a three-on-one. And that's really tough. And some of that is the Raptors you know, their intermittent pressing that they sometimes like to launch. And Scotty Barnes, I don't know if this is something he's agreed upon with Nick Nurse or whatever, but Scotty, like three-quarter court, half-court pressure that he always gets beat on, uh, I I haven't been a fan of that all year. I've been consistent on that. And I don't think he has the foot speed to stay with guards. I think that's been something that's been kind of, you know, objectively true this year. And whether he gets there, I'm not sure, but he's definitely succeeded at a lot of other things defensively, but I, I haven't seen an elongated stretch where he's ever been able to kind of stick a guard and make it look good. And, you know, guys like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Precious Sichua all have, and, and Scotty just hasn't. So he's looked good elsewhere, though, like backline sweeper role, that game against New York on, I think it was December 14th, still, or December 10th, maybe, it still lives, you know, very large in my mind because it was... He was so proficient at that backline sweeper role. So, yeah, there's just defensive mistakes being made. But if they score more efficiently and they make the Magic take the ball out of their own bucket, their you know their defense would look fine in this game. I don't think that was why they lost. They lost because they're a very limited offensive team, which is frustrating. But you know, OG is out, Fred is out, and they they're trying to kind of amalgamate you know their roles and what other guys can do. And Malachi's done a hell of a job, but you know, when Gary Trent Jr. falls off a cliff at the same time, you're just asking too much from guys who haven't been able to historically give you very much at all. If we're looking at like Svee and and Thad and Utah and Delano coming into these games, it's just, it's too much to ask of these guys. You know, maybe one will blow up every once in a while, but it's just, it's not going to happen like that. Reggie Evans award winner, Pascal, just has to be. I think he played brilliantly. He has over the past two games. I, I, I kind of got, I saw a comment and I still read comments if you're a, you know, a Raptors Republic commenter like Lee's. Um, I didn't get to a chance to respond to it, but, you know, you, you commented and said that you really enjoyed my article from this morning. And thank you. I just whatever. But <laughs> I, there was a comment that thought, you know, my my piece about last night's game was too complimentary of Pascal and was, you know, doing a happy dance for him. But like. I, I didn't mean it to come off that way. I was just kind of like, this is what is, you know, obligated of this Raptors team. And I thought I actually spent more time talking about Precious Achua in the piece than Pascal, for example. But, you know, they're in a position now where they can hardly shoot three-pointers. This is a team that's trying to innovate and trying to win these games from a very limited standpoint. And they can hardly create anything at all. And um, 
I think I think the position it puts Pascal in is extremely interesting and so difficult. And watching him try and kind of map out the court when it's this shrunk is fascinating. And to see Precious Achua try and pop off as a creator, Malachi Flynn try and pop off as a creator, and, and Gary Trent Jr. even, to watch a guy go 4 for 23 from the field and take 15 threes, even tonight, 2 of 12 from the field, take 9 threes. That's interesting because you get to see what the defense is obligating those guys to do and like what means do they have to counteract the, that defense. How can you make that defense change so it's more advantageous for you? And that's mostly what I was trying to get at in the piece. And I don't have a piece scheduled for tomorrow or anything like that. But I hope that's what I'm, you know, what's coming across is, you know, these games are interesting for that alone because it is ugly basketball. So you have to try and glean other types of things from this stuff. But yeah, man, it's it's tough. The Raptors, they lost this one because they cannot score the ball well enough. And yeah, them's the breaks. Top, top quick reaction comment is from Cad DeVille. Quote, it's all right. We have the seventh seed on lock. Great news is Flynn is in the zone. Bad news is Gary has gone cold. He's in the Norm Powell phase, hot and cold. Man, I wish we didn't have the all-star break. Oh, well, just keep grinding. Cleveland is falling, so let's see if we can grab that spot, end quote. Okay, Cad, you've said one thing here that I vehemently disagree with. Norm Powell was not streaky for the th like his, the final... Two, three years like he had one down streak over a three-year stretch a three-season stretch with the Raptors but he was as consistent as they come for the Raptors especially like post championship 2019-20 2020-21 he had like maybe a bad nine game stretch but he was as solid as they come he's he's been he's been shooting like 40 percent over four seasons from downtown like he's like a 50, 40, 80 guy over a four season stretch. He's so consistent. I, I never understood that. You know, there's many people I've talked to, you know, Raptors analysts, the people on the broadcast, um, people I know personally who have this idea of Norm Powell as this inconsistent player. And I just, I completely disagree. And I, I feel like, you know, certainly anybody can disagree with me. That doesn't matter. But I'm somebody who is on the tape, objectively has watched every game because you hear me talk about every game and I look at the stats and I try and figure it out. I got to tell you, he's pretty damn consistent and, and even was in a Raptors Jersey. So yeah. Uh, and also like, I don't find Gary and Norm analogous whatsoever. I think their, their play types couldn't be farther away from each other. Like, you know, you know, Gary has this elastic, incredible ability to shoot from mid range and, and even from three point land. But Norm is just like this, you know, you give him a, a pin down, he'll come off of it like a bullet and dunk on somebody. And Gary will just never do that. And also Norm, man, when he got into the paint and just could finish and, you know, finish over people through contact and everything. And even he had like pick and roll reps that came along in a meaningful way, you know, in 2020, 21. Yeah. I, yeah. But everything else you said is just like, yeah, it's okay. The, you obviously recognize that the Raptors are missing two big, important players. And yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough. But yeah, if they if they find Cleveland in the standings and kind of climb over top of them, I have no problem with that. Thanks for writing in, Cad. Uh, thanks for listening in, listener. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.